It's good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Uh, those here in the auditorium, of course, those joining us online, or maybe you're listening later in on the podcast. I'm Shannon, and it's, we're just excited that you're here and you're part of the Porch Community Church. Maybe you are back after a, a long time of being apart, so it's really good to see you as well. I we saw a lot of people at 9.30 I hadn't seen in like a year, so it was really great to see them face-to-face, so um, we're just glad that you're part of, of today's experience. Before we jump into the message, I just want to re- reiterate, well, there's a lot of information uh, that you heard in the announcement videos. We have a lot of things coming up, um, but I just wanted to touch on one again. Sometimes we just need a little reminder, but next Sunday we're doing Coats for Christ, and so we're asking you to go through your closet, look through what you have. Maybe you have some kids who have outgrown coats or jackets, or maybe there's stuff that um, you know, you don't, you don't need, you don't use anymore or whatever, but we're donating these, so next Sunday as we come to Palm Sunday, we're going to bring those, and we're going to have a place in front of, under the cross, in front of the baptismal. We thought, it, you know, let's put them down the aisles, but that's just, that's just a trip hazard. That's just not good for anybody. So anybody. Any clumsy people here? So that would just be bad for all of us. So we'll put them over here, and uh, how cool it would be just to see like that just just like rise and rise and rise. And then after we collect them all, we're going to share them with our community ministry partner, Living Bridges, who does an incredible work uh, with people in our community. And so they can start to give those out next fall or winter or next week. Who knows how the weather's gonna be, so we don't know, but please bring jackets and coats and um, we'll make use of those. So uh, we are in our final week of this series called The Gospel According to Genesis. We've been walking through some big stories, some big storylines in Genesis. Don't be surprised, friends, if like months from now we do a gospel according to Genesis part two because there are so many other stories and storylines we just had, weren't able to get to. And so um, I wouldn't be surprised if we came back around to that. Today we're gonna be looking at three different verses in three different places. I wanna tell you where they are. We're gonna be in Genesis 45. Then we're gonna be in Genesis 50. And then we're going to go all the way over into the New Testament and look at Genesis 23. So Genesis 45, Genesis 50, and Luke 23. I think I said, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that correction. Yeah, good job. Okay, so um, today what we're going to do as we wrap this up, Genesis 50 is actually the last chapter in the book of Genesis. Um, We're going to look at a guy who was the great-grandson of Abraham. So there was Abraham, then his son Isaac, Remember that week, Justin talked about that, and then Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, so we saw Jacob, and today we're going to look at Joseph, who is the 11th son of Jacob. So Jacob had 12 sons, and all the way down to the 11th was Joseph, and we're going to talk about him a little bit this morning. Now, some of you might know who Joseph is, you might kind of remember the story of Joseph. Joseph, I want to give you a little background real quick. Because how, what transpires between Joseph and his 11 brothers is important to what we're going to talk about today. So Joseph had this special gift that he could interpret dreams. Um, we are told through scripture that, <laughs> how does this play out? I don't know, but his father Jacob loved him more than all the other brothers, so that's really got to stink for the other 11 brothers. So I'm sure there was some resentment there. So he can interpret dreams. He is loved more. He was actually given like this special coat of many colors or technicolor, depending on what movie or play you've seen. And so he's given this coat, and it's just God shows this love for him. I mean, God. Uh, his father shows this love for him. And um, so much so, I mean, you've got to imagine these brothers like Joseph would have these dreams. Maybe he's like 10 years old. He'd be like, hey, I had this vision. 
and I'm going to end up being like over authority of all of you guys, and you're going to bow down to me. So how does that play out? <laughs> so eventually the brothers, who are not happy about this, they plot to do something, and they end up selling Joseph to some people traveling by, and they sell him into slavery. He was a free person. They were free people. They had land. I mean, he's the grand, great-grandson of Abraham, so like they had it pretty good. And yet he gets sold into slavery and he ends up in Egypt. But because of this gift of interpreting dreams and because God's hand was upon him, he doesn't stay in prison very long. He doesn't stay a slave very long. He actually rises all the way up to the second position in all of Egypt. He's given a title. He's actually the governor of Egypt. Now how he gets there is because he's still interpreting dreams and there's a whole backstory here. But he sees that a famine is going to come in a dream, and he tells Pharaoh, he's like, we got to stock up, we've got to save, famine's coming, we're, we're in trouble if we don't. So they do save up, and of course, they're able to survive and thrive, actually. So all these other people all around Egypt are coming to Egypt to get grain, to get provisions, because they didn't know about this dream. And while this is going on, the brothers, wherever they are with their dad, doing what they're doing. They're running out of food, so they're sent to Egypt to get it. And who do they run into? Joseph. Now, they don't recognize him. They don't know anything. I mean, they don't know if he's still alive. His father thinks he's dead. Um, Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. They actually have two interactions, and it's the second interaction, the second time they come for more provisions, that Joseph reveals himself to them. All right, so all this has gone on, okay? They, they don't like him. Jacob loved him more, all this tension and, and all this stuff. They sell him away. I mean, they could have just killed him. I mean, it was pretty much equal to that. They were just like, you're nothing to us. We're just going to chuck you away. You're gone. And all this is going on. All right, now here's the two things I want to zoom in on this morning. One, I want us to see the grace that, that Joseph shows and that he lives in. Joseph lives in some grace. I want us to look at that. And then on the flip side of that, I want us to see and examine how Joseph's brothers are blind, um, unable to see how God is working. Like, they're unable to really grasp what grace is, all right? So the grace of Joseph and how these, his brothers are really not able to, to grab a hold of it, all right? That's what I want us to look in on, all right? So um, when they finally interact again, the brothers obviously are a little bit nervous, okay? So that now their brother is the second highest in command in Egypt, and they're wondering, what in the world is he going to do to us? Like, what is he going to do? Is he going to beat us? Is he going to sell off, us off into slavery? Like, is he going to kill us? Like, what is he going to do? Is he going to uh, hurt our families? Like, I mean, because anything that Joseph could have wanted to do to them, like retribution, he could have done, and he would have been justified as far as in most people's eyes to do it, right? And so they're incredibly nervous. They're very stressed out about this because they know they have done him wrong. And listen to what Joseph says to them, the grace of Joseph. He has genuine love and compassion for them. It's weird. And one of the first things he says in Genesis 45, verse 5, he says to them, do not be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Don't be upset. 
And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. So Joseph is just calling it out. He's saying, look, I know you're upset. I know you're worried. I know you're not sure how this is going to play out, but don't be upset. Joseph actually had to kind of, he had to say this a few times to them because they just didn't get it. They didn't understand why Joseph was not mad at them. They didn't understand why Joseph wasn't plotting against them. They were waiting for the hammer to come down. Somebody, someone who doesn't understand grace waits for the hammer to come down. If you don't understand grace, if you don't live in grace, if you don't accept the grace of God, you are always going to be waiting for that hammer to come down. And I think for a lot of us, what we do, kind of like Joseph's brothers, is that we have, like our lives, we, we kind of carry around like this invisible baggage, if you will, right? And it's not like the super convenient kind that you can roll through the airport. Like, no, it's cumbersome, it's hard to carry, maybe the handle's broke, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think a lot of us are carrying around all these things, and, and there's names on it, and situations on it, and moments, and points in our history, and we've got it all, and we're just, it's really difficult, and we're going through life, and, and it's like we're told there's grace, but we're kind of looking around all the time going, when's the hammer gonna drop? Like, I know you said you forgive me, Brother Joseph, but I'm waiting for when I'm gonna get what I deserve. And I wonder how many of us live in that place. Like, we're living there. See, Joseph says, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves. And then listen to what he says when he reassures them, because see, their dad dies, And now they're really worried. They're like, maybe Joseph was just being nice while dad was here, and now he's about to bring it down, okay? He has to reassure them, and this is what he says to them in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Talking about grace, okay? Listen to what he says to them. You intended to harm me. So again, he's just saying, he's like, look, I know you did. I know you didn't like me. I know you hated me. Jealousy, all the stuff. You intended to harm me, but God intended all for good. He intended it all for good. And then he says this, he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. See, Joseph lived in grace because he understood that God had a bigger purpose than just their relationship. And again, I wonder how many of us are over here toting all the things, holding all the things, and we're like going, when's it gonna happen? When am I gonna get what I deserve? I know that we said we were good. I know that we said we forgave each other. I know that they forgave me, and I, you know, but I don't know, and when's it gonna happen? And that's where Joseph's brothers were, and Joseph's over here going, hey, listen, I know you intended to hurt me, but God is using this, and not just like so that my life could be good, but actually so that I could be in a position to save other people. I mean, imagine the hundreds and thousands of people that lived because Joseph was in the position he was in to tell Pharaoh to store up food. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Millions, maybe. Okay? Listen, let's don't sugarcoat this. Joseph's brothers deserved whatever was going to come at them. Whatever anyone, like I said, that Joseph could think up. But guess what? They received grace from him. They received grace. Deserved punishment, received grace. Sound familiar? Deserved punishment, deserved what was coming to them, but received grace. And we are not really that different from Joseph and his brothers. We're really not that different from Joseph's brothers. Because we have one named Jesus who shows us grace. 
He shows us grace. And Joseph, in many ways, remember the name of the series, The Gospel According to Genesis. Joseph is a foreshadowing of Jesus. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He says, imagine, we're talking about grace. He says, as he is on the cross, he has been arrested, he has been beaten, he is in the midst of crucifixion, and he says from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Grace. Do they deserve punishment? Yes. Did they get it? No. Father, forgive them. The very first week of this series, the very first week, the, the, kind of what we set up or what I set up was, if you look at all of Genesis and even the whole Bible for that matter, you could pretty much sum it up by saying the, the Bible, the story, is not about us. It's all about God. It's not about us. It's about God. We get to be part of the story, but it's all about God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And so if that's true, okay, the conclusion to that truth is it's all about God, it's not about us. The conclusion is we need a Savior. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. I mean, think about it. We needed... It could have been over in the garden, right? God could have said, Adam and Eve, that, okay, you messed up, done, the end. Nothing happens from then on, okay? It didn't. We're saved. We need, after, uh, leading up to the flood, things were bad. So God looked out, and it was just, everything was horrible. It, it grieved him to look out, and so he sent the flood, and he saved humanity through Noah and his family. He could have just been like, nope, we're done. He, we needed saving. We've needed a savior all along, We've needed a Savior. See, God established covenants with us. We've talked about that. And every covenant he established with us, he fulfilled. He has never failed in his covenants. If you're wondering if God will keep his word, if what God's word says is true, if he will not let you down, if he won't leave you or forsake you, if you're wondering those things, I want to tell you, our God is a God of covenant, and he never breaks them. He never has. The problem is, is that we broke every single covenant. By we, I mean humanity. We broke every covenant that we had with God. Okay, he had a, he had a covenant with, with Noah. That, everyone messed that up. Noah didn't necessarily, but people on down. Um, there was a covenant with Abraham. Um, there ends up being a covenant with Moses. I mean, there's all these covenants, and they get, they get broken. We live in a new covenant, we live in a new covenant, and that covenant was established through Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. The whole reason covenant is important is because we were just going to continue on a cycle of not being able to fulfill our side of the covenant. It was evident that that was going to happen, that no amount of laws or, or anything was going to make us live a life that was worthy, that would live a life of righteousness. And so God sent Jesus. We... <laughs> We say, God, you, Jesus, you have forgiven my sin. And, and it's true. Like, I don't want to downplay this at all. Like, we, we say words like, I, I believe God sent Jesus Christ to, to die on the cross to forgive my sin. Okay? Truth. But the reason that God sent Jesus in the form of humanity, in the form of flesh and blood person, is so that Jesus would fulfill our side, the human side of the covenant that we kept breaking. Okay, so, so God has, is so faithful. So when we talk about the grace of God, 
we can go, okay, God is faithful, so if his grace is offered to us, and he's gonna be faithful in that too. He's not going to, you know, while we're over here holding all the stuff, wondering when the hammer's gonna come down, he's not gonna go, oh, you know what? All these covenants I kept for all these years with all these millions and millions of billions of people, you know what? Today's the day, I break it, you're done. That's not how that works. So God is gracious to us. I was watching on, um, I'm a nerd, uh, Friday night I was watching a documentary on YouTube um, called The Ex-Amish of Monroe County, Missouri. Does it sound exciting? Was your Friday night that exciting? I don't know. So I'm watching this because I'm intrigued by this kind of stuff. I don't know a lot about the Amish. I knew they make really good rocking chairs and like butter and stuff, but I wasn't sure about much more. And what I found out was that their faith is very much grounded on works. You gotta, it's what you do, and you're never certain if you are in good graces with God. You've always gotta work. You've always gotta be in a place where, where you're approved, which is why they live this simplistic lifestyle kind of thing, like where they don't have conveniences because they don't want to make life easy. They wanna be working to prove that they are of worth. Okay, and that's like the whole foundation of it. And, and there's actually not a whole lot of, uh, there's very particular scripture studying that they might do, but a lot of the scriptures are not ever really addressed. And that's, I didn't know this. So I'm watching this documentary about these five or six families that came out of the Amish, which by the way, it's not like they just decided to like go join another church. I mean, this is, this is serious. This is like generations and land and you get shunned, like they never talk to you again and family. I mean, this is really serious if you leave, okay? So they, this is funny. So the Amish, because of they won't do the conveniences, sometimes they had to travel and uh, because their horse and buggy, it was maybe too far or whatever, they would hire somebody who they called the English, even though they're American, but they'd say, hey, would you drive us in your car? I've got to go to this appointment. All right, and so they were being driven around to get around their rules. And the guy that was driving them, the guy that, they would, that a lot of them would hire to drive them around was a believer. And he would just be driving in the car and, and when he would have the opportunity, he would ask questions, just kind of seemed you know, like just whatever. And he would be like, hey, you know what I've been reading in my Bible is that you know, God's grace is sufficient for me. And that, that his his death on the cross and his salvation is for once for all, for all time, and that I can live into that grace and that he loves me and that it's not about works anymore. It's not about what I do. It's about what he's done. And he would say these things while he's driving the car. And here's the deal. I don't know how many of you in this auditorium or even watching online right now are going, wow, I didn't know that. I think a good majority of us know this like we've heard that before right we've heard that information and I just wonder how many of us are unfazed by that reality unfazed by we don't have to be here you know we don't have to be here burdened by our past trying to perform for the future and wondering when the hammer's going to come down wondering if we're good enough we don't have to be there we can live in grace and here are these Amish people riding in the car going what are you talking about 
and they believed so much they were going home and having secret Bible studies and they would have to cover their windows at night so like their parents who lived across the road wouldn't see their lantern lights because they, it was like you can't have Bible, like you can't do that and they were, they were coming to know Christ and they were like you're kidding this grace thing is amazing I didn't know this was possible I didn't even know this was in the Bible and they were they uprooted and they moved to a whole nother town because they couldn't stay where they were anymore and I wonder how many of us are unfazed by grace and I wonder how many of us like those Amish being driven around in a car because we're skirting around the rules and we're just kind of going through life and just kind of ticking boxes going okay I'm kind of living my thing here how many of us need to wake up say wow God's given us grace and I'm overwhelmed by this grace and my life's going to be different because of this grace how many of us need to be overwhelmed by the grace of God now none of us are there yet we haven't arrived none of us are at perfection we're all being sanctified all the time but we don't have to live over here anymore we don't have to be like Joseph's brothers who are oblivious to the grace of God, the working of God all around them. We could be like Joseph and say, you know what, what was intended to harm me, God has used for good. What, was inten- what, what really has, has caused me a lot of heartache and was like the deepest, darkest valley of my life, God's gonna use for good and he's gonna use it so that people will know him. And we need to, we need to live into that. And here's what I've been thinking, you know, but we need to embrace this grace because what grace does and we saw, I saw it in that documentary, grace allows for revival in our lives, to be revived, right? Like, let's go, like you're, you're, you're losing it. We're, we might lose you here any minute, we gotta be revived. I've always found it interesting that churches will like put on their calendar like, hey, you know, in June we're gonna have a revival. I don't know how you plan for a revival. You can plan to fry the chicken, but I don't know how else you what else you do about the revival because that's something that, that God's got to work in us. But I got I want to tell you all something. And I have to make sure I use my I say the words the right way because I don't want this to, I want for you to want. Like what's on my heart? I want for you to want revival in your life. Like, I don't want revival for the Porch Community Church. Like, the, I want for you to desire revival in your life based on your understanding of God's great grace through Jesus Christ who has freed you from all this junk so you don't have to live there anymore. You're not waiting for the hammer to come down and you get to live into freedom. What I want for you, I want you to want revival in your life see I think a lot of us are hesitant to even embrace that and live into that because we just we're bogged down we're weighed down we don't see it we don't recognize it maybe we're unfazed by it let's be revived let's allow the the breath of God to breathe into us and bring us back or maybe wake us up for the first time and for us to experience the grace of God because grace allows for revival and I've been praying for that. I've been praying that you would want that. And I am beginning to see it. I'm beginning to see it in, in certain people's lives and in individuals' lives and little groups of people that are saying, we want revival in our life. I'm excited. You saw the video that Jared and April Brogdon shared about the Grace Changes Everything weekend coming up in April. And I just want to say it does. Grace does change everything. 
And what I love about the fact that that, that weekend's going on is because that was a group of people who have been on a journey together since we started the, the community group op- uh, opportunity back in the fall, and they started meeting together. And they have become this group that loves one another and prays for one another and supports one another. They went off to the mountains in January and they did this Grace Changes Everything like video deal. And they came back and they said, we left some junk up there in the mountains. They just dropped it, left it up there. And they said, we want this for our community. Can we do it? And I said, yes. Yes, because you don't understand. I've been praying for people to want what you're saying you want. And I've been praying for people to want to want to share that. (laughs) Want to want to want to. You know what happens if you have been revived by grace in your life? I want to speak to those who might be a little further along in your in your life, in your maturity, maybe on your faith journey. If you're being revived, if you if you're living into the grace of God and you're embracing that grace, here's what I think might be a result of that is that you're you're calling me, you're texting me, you're you're texting Allison or Justin and you're saying, hey, Listen, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I really feel like, you know, I wish someone had poured into my life when I was in college or I was in high school, and, and so I really don't know a whole lot, and I'm kind of nervous, but, but God has changed my life, and so do you, do you know someone who I could meet with, like that I could get together with every week, every other week, and we could just read the Bible together? Y'all gives me goosebumps saying that. Because see, someone who's been revived by grace goes, you know what, I don't, have to, I don't need to live here. See, we disqualify ourselves here. This is what we do as Christians. We go, I got too much stuff and I'm waiting and I don't know what's gonna happen. I can't do anything. I can't do anything for Jesus. I can't do anything for the church. Joseph lived in grace. God used him. What was intended to harm him, God has used for good. What was intended to harm us, we have an enemy, friends, and what was intended to harm us and keep us down and keep us low, we don't have to live under that. We can embrace the grace of God. And so what I think, you know, so I would say that, that's one way I could see a result of someone who is embracing the grace of God in their life. I think it's something as, you might like check this off as like, that's really not a big deal. But I think someone who is like embracing the grace of God would even say, you know what, I, I'll put on a red shirt and open a door and I will look people in the eye on a Sunday morning and I will say, good morning, glad you're here. And you do it because you realize of God's grace. I mean, I wonder how many people, I wonder how many people have disqualified themselves even from signing up to be a greeter because they're over here. You know, or working with our porch kids, Right? Or, you know, for, again, I want to talk to, like, parents. Like, if you are embracing that God's grace has grabbed a hold of you and you understand that, that there is something more, that you don't have to live in this checking the boxes works like kind of faith, but you actually can embrace the, the grace of God and live into freedom, as a parent, I would think that you would say, every opportunity that I have to have my child, however old they are, be a part of the body of Christ, I'm going to do my part to make sure they are. Porch kids, salt, sir. You know, I want that for them. Maybe you didn't have it and you see what you missed, and so why would you withhold that from me? Like, these are, and these are just little, like, things, you know. Someone who embraces grace is sitting, like, right now going, How many jackets and coats can I give? Like, I, do I really need these? I mean, come on, I live in South Georgia. Like, you know, maybe someone else could use this. Maybe someone who's living on the streets could use this coat much more than I who have every kind of air conditioning possible in every aspect of my life. Like, someone who embraces grace, this is our mentality. 
I want revival. I want you to want revival. That's been my prayer. This is what I've been praying. This is my fourth revision of this message that I, I write weeks in advance and yet uh, God kept changing it and changing it and changing it to the point that whatever I sent to Josh and Justin like Friday is like this isn't it anymore because God has been stirring up within me a desire to want for you revival it's all about God it's not about us we need a savior See, Joseph's life is a foreshadowing of Jesus. He's given us grace. We don't deserve it, but we get it. We don't deserve it, but he invites us into it. See, Joseph said these words, but I want you to hear them as if Jesus were saying them to you, okay? What was meant to harm me? God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Porch community, I, my prayer is that you will embrace the grace that's been offered to us and it's found through Jesus Christ. God established and made this covenant with us through Jesus so that in our faith in him and our belief in him, we might find life. That's grace, and that's the gospel according to Genesis. Let's pray. Father, you are good to us. You have shown grace to us. Forgive us for not recognizing it. Forgive us for not accepting it. Forgive us for, you know, maybe taking it up for a little while and then throwing it back down. God, I, I ask forgiveness for um, we have given too much credit to um, you know, the, the baggage and the junk and the stuff that, that we didn't even really we, we've given credit to that we've been holding on to that and we haven't been embracing you and grabbing a hold of you and so I just, I pray that that is what we would do we would let go of what we were never intended to carry we would embrace what you've done for us we would embrace the covenant established by you through Jesus. And we would take on life, revived, alive, your breath in our lungs, alive. It is in the name of the one who's made all this possible, Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen.